Grr. Arg. Hey guys, and welcome to the Mixtape Podcast, a podcast dedicated to reviewing movies from a screenplay writer's perspective. I will be your host, my name is Dean, and I am joined as always by Marcelo. And this week we are doing another cult classic. We are doing Stand By Me, 1986, directed by Rob Reiner. I haven't seen this movie in, I would have been at least 15 10, 15 years. This was actually a request by Cinnamon. So thank you, Cinnamon, because this was actually a really, really awesome request. And I hope that our review um, goes well for you. Uh, Stand By Me is actually based on the book The Body by Stephen King. Stephen King is interesting because Stephen King's niche is horror, but he writes really, really good non-horror, like uh, like The Green Mile, Shawshank, um, Stand By Me. He just writes, he's just, I don't know, I feel like he whatever he writes it would just be good anyway so the premise of stand by me if you don't know it and if you haven't seen this movie fucking stop this just fucking go watch it are you kidding me (laughs) this is a classic so after the death of one of his friends a writer recounts a childhood journey with his friends so the opening scene uh we focus on richard richard dreyfus and he sits in his car staring at a newspaper article that reads attorney chris chambers fatally stabbed in restaurant and that's the opening scene that's there's no dialogue that's literally it and i'm gonna ask you what you think of that short scene because it was a setup it was it was a two-minute scene but it was a setup so what do you think i really thought that this movie had more of a of a of a mystery to it or stephen kingness to it and ultimately what the movie was was a day in the was a day in the life of this group of friends who wanted to go see this crazy thing and they ultimately discover things about one another on the way there and on the way back from there. And it was a pleasant surprise. You know, if I could, if I could say that about this movie. Yeah, it was. So the first scene, we're in 1959 and we, we meet a young Geordie. Now Richard Dreyfus, we don't know this until the end. He plays the adult Geordie. So a young Geordie, he's 13 years old, and he walks from his house to a treehouse and he climbs up uh, into the thing and he does like a secret knock. And there we meet Chris and Teddy. So Chris is played by River Phoenix and Teddy is played by Corey Feldman. They're both 13. They're both smoking. Uh, they're playing cards. I don't know exactly what they're playing, but you can see that they are very different to Geordie. Geordie is, I, I feel like, each of the boys are set up very, very differently and have very, very different traumas that they have to deal with throughout the the movie. So they're very different to Geordie. And then we, and then we meet good old Vern. Uh, we hear a knock on the door, and and they're like, "Well, what's the secret knock?" And you hear Vern going, "I don't remember the secret knock." And they're like, "Vern." <laughs> and he's also thirteen. He's played by a very young Jerry O'Connell. He's he's chubby and he's kind of I don't want to say like he's like a nerd loser like he kind of doesn't fit in he just wants to be liked he just he wants to be cool because he's just not cool and he throughout the movie he tries to do all these really cool things but he's he just ends up looking like a turd <laughs> but you just feel really sorry for him Fern is actually my favorite because he he just he he just like I say he just has this thing where he just wants to fit in but he just doesn't quite do it so. They're, they're sitting there and Geordie's kind of re- flipping through a magazine and Chris and Teddy are playing cards and then Vern says, oh, oh, can you come and stay at my place tonight because I've got something to tell you. And they're like, why don't you just tell us now? And he's like, no, 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 come to my place. And they're like, just fucking tell us now. 
And then he says the iconic words, do you want to see a dead body? And they all stop what they're doing and look at him and stare. And Vern tells them that he overheard his brother talking about finding a dead body by the railway tracks. And then the boys have this conversation where they think that if they go and they find this body and they tell the media, they're going to be famous. They're going to be heroes for finding this dead body, this kid's dead body that's gone missing and this kid's been in the news and nobody can find his body. Uh, so that kind of kicks kicks everything off. And the writing in this movie is fantastic because this is the first scene. So you've got the opening scene with Richard Dreyfus. We go back and in one scene, it's like the inciting incident. Within literally like five minutes of the movie, we know what we're doing, where we're going. We've met all the characters. The characters have all been set up and we're on our way into the movie. So what did you think? Yeah, the setup for this movie and the writing for this movie is very, very economical because you really get a good sense of each of the characters in the treehouse scene. You understand uh, a bit of their traumas. And also, like Dean said, the primary force of the movie is set up right away and everything that happens after that is sort of pushing us towards this great reveal of this body that the boys are going to go see. Also, I really get a kick of the town that the boys live in is called Castle Rock. And if you're a big Stephen King fan, that's not the first time that Castle Rock is going to come up. So I really, I, I get it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Stephen King film adaptations and Castle Rock has come up more than uh, a couple of times in Stephen King's work. So I, so, yeah. so I like it. So, so I like it when, when, when stuff like that happens, it's like the unofficial Stephen King universe, uh, per se. When Vern first showed up, Jerry O'Connell has this, has this face about him. He has these eyes and I'm like, I, I, I could instantly tell that that was him right away. And guys, I'm not usually good with faces. Dean will tell you. No, I'm you're like, not. You're not. That, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's Jerry O'Connell because the the way he looks at the way he looked as a kid is the same way that it's, he has the same face. I'm like, it's the same face. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. The same face. I know. I know. So uh, the next scene, we we learn a little bit about more about Geordie's backstory, and we learn that he had an older brother who is, weirdly enough, played by a very young John Cusack. <laughs> and his brother was killed in an, uh, in an accident. Now, his brother was like an all-star football player. He was good-looking. He got the girls. But he was actually a really, really nice guy. He was the only one in the family that stood up for Geordie. You know, it was Geordie's best friend. So... Geordie losing his brother impacted him a lot. Now, it's it's kind of that that subplot is good because it explains a little bit about Geordie and how he is and stuff. But I I don't I I don't know if we needed it because it comes into the story as such a prevalent subplot and it's not really I don't know like no other boy has that big of a subplot where we actually go back and see something that happened in their past. Geordie's the only one. So I just, I don't, I don't know. What, what did you think? I, I don't know if we needed that subplot at all. I don't know if it did anything. I don't know. Tell me what you think. No, I look, I, I, I will say that it was very odd that we focused on, on, on Geordie's subplot and Geordie was the only one to have flashbacks. That was very odd. Also, they kind of set up this, 
this wedge between Jordy and his father that never really got resolved at all. Yes. The entire, yes. I was going to bring that the, up. The yes. entire, yeah. The entire movie is the boys going to see the body and that's it. Yes. And you know, and, and, and look, another thing I know, like this, I, I know it's like the 1950s, right? 1959. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the fifties. And these two boys or, or this group of kids are basically gone for two days, mm. for two whole days, and nobody gives a. Sh- I'm like, the yeah. does anybody does anybody care about? Because like these kids, <laughs> like they just disappear for two days, and nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. No, like, and yeah, what? Yeah, I was gonna bring. I was also, gonna bring that up too. Yeah, continue. I'll say it after. All, also, the other thing that really didn't work for me was the fact that. Um, uh, we had the boys going to see the body and uh, uh, they kept cutting back to a group of punks that beat up the boys when they were, when they fir- were, when they were first getting together. Yeah. And this group, yeah. And I'm like, this is, the, I'm like, I know. all the stuff with the older boys. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You don't need that. I mean, I, that's like the one thing out of the movie that I'm like, you could, you could have cut all this shit out. Yeah. And that's another thing I want. You could have did. You could have done something else with it because this is unnecessary. Sure, you could, you could, you could have these boys in the movie, but all, all the, all the times that the movie kept cutting back to them for no fucking good reason. I'm like, why are you doing this? It was, it was just a waste of time. Yeah, um, I think the movie would have played better if um, we had flashbacks for all the boys, not just Geordie, because it kind of made it kind of disjointed for me. Um, the reason the, I was thinking that too, the reason why nobody noticed they're gone. I mean, these are 13 year old kids you would notice, but the reason Geordie's parents don't notice is you see, they just ignore him since his brother died. They don't care about him. They ignore him. They don't even know if he's gone there or not. They're totally disassociated with him. So we know why his parents don't freak out. Um, what's his name? Chris's parents, uh, don't give a shit about him. So we know, we know that, uh, what's his name? Teddy's parents, Teddy's dad, we learn is in a loony bin and his mum is a drunk, I think. So that's kind of why she doesn't notice Vern. Not sure. Not sure about Vern. I feel like he has a pretty stable parenting system. So I'm, I'm not sure why they didn't kind of search for where he was, but yeah, I do. I do understand that. And yes, you're right. Another thing I wanted to bring up was by the end of the movie, the whole movie is centered around how Geordie's father is just a complete dickhead to him. And, you know, there's a, there's a really beautiful part at the end of the movie where Geordie actually breaks down because of it, because he doesn't know why his dad hates him, but that's never resolved by the end of the movie. You're like, but what happened with your father? And I found that a plot hole, a big plot hole, because I wanted to know, did you resolve it? Did you not resolve it? Have you spoken to him? Have you not spoken to him? So I, I felt like they, drop the ball on that one do you feel like you agree i mean yeah you agree because you just said it, but yeah yeah i yeah i really do um like i think like like i think that dean has a point i think that this movie would have been much better balanced if if we had gotten flashbacks for all the boys and we have we, we would have explored their traumas in the flashbacks a little bit more so maybe that would have connected us a little bit more to the boys, like the only boy that I really liked was for the sake of this review, I'll call him Wesley Crusher. And the reason why I connected with him besides the obvious reason um, is the fact that he's, he, he wants to be a writer. So, 
So that really spoke to me. But everybody else, I'm like, I could have taken, I could have taken them or or left them, because I don't, I, I don't think that they were, I don't think that they were uh, uh, particularly well fed out as characters, unfortunately. Um, I think Chris was. I think Chris was laid out quite well. Um, I ca- look, I connected with all of them in one way or another. I don't think I had a favorite, but I know what you're saying about the Geordie and wanting to be a writer and stuff. But anyway, let's move on. The next scene is Geordie. So they've all decided they want to go see this dead body. So they all go home and they're all getting their shit together. Geordie meets up with Chris, who pulls a gun from his bag. He's like, look, I stole this from my my dad's locker. He's not going to notice. He's you know, probably passed out drunk anyway. And Geordie asks if the gun is loaded. And Chris says, no, it's not loaded. Why would I load it? And Geordie fires it and it goes off and they both scream and run down the street. Now, Geordie is pissed at Chris because he keeps saying, you said it wasn't loaded and it was loaded. Like, why would you do that to me? Because obviously that's a that's a big thing, kind of firing a gun for a 13-year-old. And Chris insists, and this is why I like Chris, because he's he, he they've set him up as a bad boy. But he insists he didn't know the gun was loaded and he actually stops Geordie. They're walking along um, the the street. He stops him and he looks into his eyes and he said, I swear to you, I did not know that it was loaded. I wouldn't do that to you. And right then, you know, he's got a sensitive side. You know he cares a lot for Geordie. Like this is his best friend. You just, just, just buy that. And it just, it shows a lot about his character just, just in that kind of, one thing. Now, as they're walking along, as Chris apologizes, we meet Ace, which is um, the gang that Marcella was talking about, headed by Kiefer Sutherland, and he's an ass. He's an ass. Um, his gang is stupid. And I agree with Marcello. When it kept cutting back to the gang of boys of Kiefer Sutherland's gang, you know, it was just like, why? I don't care. Like, I understand they maybe at the end they needed to be there. But again, if the boys had found the body, and went through the whole movie and the Kiefer Sutherland character um, wasn't there, it wouldn't have made a difference. Like I don't think that last scene with them at the end maybe would have made a difference. I I don't know. Maybe it was the boys having courage. Maybe it was part of their uh, character arcs. I don't know. What would have been more interesting is if they gave Ace more to do, like if they knew the boys were looking for the body and and now it becomes a race to get to the body first now i know that ace had a car but maybe maybe in another in an alternate alternate standby me he didn't have a car and he was he was tracking the boys through the woods uh that would have made it more interesting that would have made ace's character more interesting but again you could have taken his character out and i think it would have been totally fine what say you also you could have had the boys not come up with the idea of finding the body and wanting a reward you could have had the boys wanting to find the body to tattletale and tell on Ace and his gang. That would have given that would have given Ace and the and the and the and the two knuckleheads in his gang who actually killed this kid more motivation for them to hunt them down. Yeah. And also also it would have made their final confrontation in the clearing where the they found the body much more impactful because the whole movie would have been would have been a race to see the to see who gets to the body first and when you finally see these two groups come together it would create tension yeah i agree but that's not what we got <laughs> anyway yeah 
That's the only thing I kind of don't like. I was like, oh, well, I don't care about these punks. Like, I just don't. So the boys are on their way. They meet up with Vern and Teddy. They're on their way. And Vern is so cute. He's like, I bought a comb. <laughs> and oh, they're I, like. <laughs> can I? Um, I I just want to jump in here for one second. Yeah. How stupid is it that this, that, 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 um, that Jody's best friend, like. I mean, I understand it's the fifties, but what is wrong with this kid bringing a gun? Like, what the f- like? I'm like, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, uh, but anyway. there, there. If you're 13 and you find a gun and you live in a small town you're and you're stupid. bored of shit, yeah, you're gonna take it. Yeah, but that's but that's stupid. Um, yeah. But but uh, but off you go. I, I just I'm like I'm like really of all the things you could have taken, you take that. Yeah, and, I, and also I kept, I kept, I kept thinking that one of the kids was going to shoot themselves. I was like, <laughs> "Listen, yeah, I mean, we, I know why you're so triggered by that, but, but it's, I, I, I think it, it's a normal thing. I think okay, it would be a normal okay. thing for a kid to find and be like, right. hey, look what I got.' Because they don't right. understand at 13 how dangerous it is. They don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, Vern goes on about how he bought a comb. And Teddy's like, why the fuck? You don't even have hair. Like, why did you bring a comb? He's like, no, no, it's for you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Vern is just so fucking adorable. And he goes, it's to look good for the cameras when we find the body. <laughs> just like, oh, Vern. And then they're they're walking along in sweltering heat, and then they ask who bought the food. And they all look at each other and was like, I thought you bought the food. And they're like, I didn't buy the food. I thought you bought the food. And they're like, oh, shit. And then Vern goes, why well, didn't bring the food? I bought the comb. <laughs> Vern. So they tally, this is so funny, they tally their money together and they come up with $2.37. And Geordie says, oh, that should be enough to get us food. And I'm like, fuck, $2.37 wouldn't even get you a slice of bread in 2023. And they're like, yeah, that should be enough for all of us. Fucking hell. And and I'm going to tell you what he fucking buys with $2.37 when he goes to the store later on. You're not going to fucking believe it, folks. This is literally 1959. So no, this is still the same scene. So they see a train coming and they step off the tracks, but not Teddy, played by Corey Feldman. He stand, He wants to um, kind of play chicken. He wants to dodge the train. And the others are screaming at him and they're like, no, wait, come on, we don't find this funny. He's like, no, I'm going to dodge it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Chris runs onto the tracks, pulls Teddy off the tracks. Teddy's pissed. He's like, I could have dodged it. Like, what are you doing? And they're, and Chris is looking at him like, what is wrong? Like, why Why would you do that? Like, again, Chris is set up to be the bad boy, but he's, he's the one that's like probably the most sensitive out of all of them. And he's the one that has kind of the most brains, except for the gun bit, but he is 13. But he's kind of has the most brains. He knows kind of what's right and what's wrong. And Teddy's just fucking pissed at him. And, a, a, again, he just says he could have dodged it, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I mean, look, you know something's not right with Teddy. I mean, he wants to play with his life. He wants to dodge the train. So, you know, right there and then. Because you don't know much about Teddy until that kind of bit. And then you're like, oh, something's wrong. <laughs> anyway, what do you think? No, I mean, look. Teddy is the most intriguing character in the in the movie to me, and I'm kind of a sh- I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't see flashbacks of Teddy and his home life, because when we first meet him in the treehouse, the most shocking thing about him is his ear, because it's like he's got like this fighter cauliflower ear, but as the movie goes along, you just, you 
you learn how he got that, and you kind of understand that Teddy kind of has this death wish because of the way that he was treated by his father, um, which could have led to the reason why he's in a loony bin and why his mother is supposedly a raging alcoholic. So Teddy, to me, was the most interesting person because of his damage and because of his because of his baggage he was the most interesting one to me that kind of didn't get explored in the way that i wanted him to the other thing that i found very interesting is when the boys were counting their money together these boys were physically on train tracks and i'm like look i understand this is the adult in me but i'm like guys do you know how fucking dangerous this is you guys are on. You guys are sitting <laughs> on fucking train tracks. You guys, I'm like, I'm like, do you guys really think this is a good idea? But that's besides the point. Yeah, but you can see a train coming. You can feel it. They'd be able to feel it. They were sitting on the tracks. I mean, they, they weren't. It wasn't like they were. It was covered. Like they would have been able to see if there was a train coming. Some of the some of the things that they do in this movie, and some of the moments that they do in this movie, I feel were kind of lost on me because yeah. of my adult brain. Yeah, if but, yeah. if I you know if 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 I had seen this movie when I was a kid, I would have just enjoyed I, I that uh, these moments would have would have gone over my head. But as an adult, I I was like, do you guys really want to? But 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 again, but again, that's besides the point. You can't put yourself in a childlike mind when you watch. You can't do that. I mean. No, I know. I mean, with certain movies, I can like, 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 I can do that with movies that I experienced as a kid when I was a kid. But, yeah. but for movies that I see basically for the first time, because I saw Stand by Me when I was a really little kid, and I don't remember jack shit from it. Right. So, so this was like seeing the movie for the first time. Oh wow! And when, and when, and, and you know, and when I'm when I'm in that kind of situation. Sometimes I can't fully immerse myself in the movie the whole way. And when that happens, I start wanting to put logic on on things that right. Right. shouldn't have logic. Right, 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 right. Okay, so the boys, they come to a junkyard and they, they climb the fence, they jump over. And it's just like they just want to chill out a bit. Now, one of them says you know, the owner's not here. There's usually a junkyard dog and, you know, they're they're not here yet. So let's just chill out until they get here in the afternoon. And they flip a coin to see who's going to get the food and Geordie loses. And so he goes to the shop to get the food. This is what I was saying. He's got $2.37. This is what he gets, right? He gets four Cokes, six hamburger buns, and a wad of meat that's the size of probably two adult male hands, like a lot of meat. And the total comes, it doesn't even come to $2.37. It comes to fifty, $1.50, $1.50 for all that food. Fucking kill me now. <laughs> Tell me thoughts. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of food for a very, very little amount of money. Um, but you know what? I kind of, I kind of felt that this was another scene that I would have like, if I was putting this movie together, I would have, I would have kind of cut out other, other than, other than the fact that it shows you what, what the time was like, the conversation that, that, uh, that will, that will Whedon has with the clerk, I thought didn't need to be there. 
No. Um, it was it was it was kind of superfluous, mm. but it was a it, it was a cool scene just just based on the fact that you could see what you could buy with that amount of money at the time. But looking looking at it now, like it didn't have to be there. So that's another little thing that I would take an eye of this movie just to expedite the process a little bit more. But that's just me. Yeah, it didn't need to be there because also what happened is you had another flashback to. Geordie's dad treating him like shit and Geordie's brother defending him, which again is like a weird subplot. And yeah, the scene didn't, it didn't, it didn't push the story forward. I mean, it didn't. The only thing it did was it got Geordie out of the junkyard for him to come back and for him to get chased by the dog. That's really all it did, but they could have found another way to kind of push the story forward. So he returns to the junk and, and you never actually see the boys eat the food. So there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that, but um, no. But that that scene when the scene when Will Whedon comes back to the junkyard really reminded me of the Sandlot. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, yeah, that's I, I, the first thing I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Especially when he starts running. Oh yeah. Like, like the director does a close up of his face. He yeah. does a close up of the yeah, yeah. of his friends behind the fence, and he gets over the fence. Yeah. But here's another like like this exchange with the boys was kind of disturbing uh, when you saw Teddy kind of lose it after this fucking guy who owns the junkyard just says his dad was a fucking louse and a, a lazy a, a lazy drunk. A that shows you, a loony, that shows you how much Teddy loves his father despite some of the stuff that his father may have put him through because of P, uh, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder and yeah. things like that. Yeah. But I was like, but I was like, motherfucker! I was like to this fat guy, the the guy who owns the drunk yard. I'm like, this is unnecessary, man. You got you, you're are you you fat fuck are arguing with a bunch of kids. What the hell's wrong with you? So the um, so so the owner of the junkyard. This has happened so many times where the kids jump in, they steal stuff, and then they jump out. Right. Like this is his living, right? So he he doesn't realize right. they've just been chilling out. He thinks they're going in there to steal shit. Um, you know, basically taking money away from him. This is why he has the dog. So the reason right, right, right. the reason he puts shit on them is because he's fucking pi- And he says, I'm fucking pissed. I'm pissed off at you kids coming in there fucking taking my shit. And so, look, did he need to say the things that he said to Teddy about, oh, I know you, your dad's a loony. Your dad's, your dad's in the loony bit. He didn't need to say that. Obviously, that's not that's not a mature thing to do, but he's pissed off. So I, his motivation is sound to me when he starts picking on Teddy. Teddy starts getting the shits because Teddy is angry because he knows what the junkyard guy is saying is true, but he looks up to his father so much that he doesn't want to believe it. He wants to believe that his father, he kept saying, oh, my father was in the army. He landed on the beach of Normandy, which we don't even know if that's true or not. We don't, and even I think Chris asks him, like, is that true? Like, we we don't know if his father was in the army. We just know that his father um, burnt half of his ear off and now he's in a loony bin. So we don't know much. That's the thing about this. We don't know much about the backstories of anybody else, but. Geordie. So anyway, I think that what the junkyard, I understand the motivation that he had and, you know, Teddy getting pissed that he's saying shit about his father, you know, that was just, you know, backstory, I guess, for Teddy. You know, when you said, when you, when you say we don't know if that's true or not about Teddy's father, the one thing, the other thing that's interesting about Teddy is that he's, he's wearing a pair of dog tags. Yes. And, and a green shirt. Oh, 
Yeah, so if that look if that isn't true about Teddy's father, why would like like why would a kid make up such an elaborate thing? And and everything everything that Teddy's wearing from the dog tax to the green shirt to the to the to the camos, that's what a soldier would wear. But that's maybe what so, he he wants his dad to be. The dog tags he could have right. bought in a two dollar cheap store. You can get them anywhere. You right, know, right, uh, you know, his dad might have told him, "Yeah, I was in the army," but his dad's in a loony bin, so we don't know if that's true or not. That's what I mean. Yeah, like we don't know if what his true, father but, told him is true. Right, but I, but but uh, for me as an audience member, I think I think Teddy works better as a character if I believe yeah, yeah, his plight no. a little bit more. No, that's true. Rather than and just kind of just, uh, maybe maybe Teddy's making this up to make his father into something that is not, which is something that is completely possible. Because as young people, that's what we do. We yeah. idolize, we idolize adults, and then when we when we when we grow up, we discover that they're not so awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the boys are walking along the tracks. I really like this scene because it just shows the diversity between the boys. Chris tells Geordie that next year they're going to have to split classes. They'll be in different classes. And he'll be – he'll Geordie's going to be with the smart ones and Chris is going to be with the idiots. And Chris you, – you see how much Chris really cares about Geordie because he knows that if he continues to hang out with him, if Geordie continues to hang out with Chris, he's going to go nowhere. So he's pushing Chris. He goes, listen, sorry, sorry, he's pushing Geordie. He says, Geordie, you're a writer. You're a good writer. you got to stop sticking with me. you got to do what's good for you. I want you to get out of this place because Chris thinks he's never going to get out. He goes, I want you to get out of this place. You know, they have a really deep, for 13-year-old boys, they have such a deep conversation. It's a really, really nice conversation. And then you you cut to Teddy and Vern who are walking maybe like 10 to 20 feet in front of them and you get a sense of their conversation and they're arguing over if Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman. So you can see the difference in the conversation that Chris and Geordie are having versus Teddy and Vern. Now, the Teddy and Vern dynamic is really interesting to me. I, 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 I feel for Vern because I just don't think Teddy really fucking likes Vern at all. <laughs> Did you get that? That just Teddy tolerates Vern but just doesn't really want to be friends with him. It's just like, oh, you're here and I'll just be nice to you because you're fucking here. No, I think, you know, I think Vern is is that is that classic friend in any in, in any friend group. He's that one guy that you always that's always a part of your group, but he, he's that one guy that you always use as a punching bag. And that always is the one guy that you can take out your frustrations on, which isn't really fair. But 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 there's always one guy in any friend group that's like that. And I think that Vern is that guy, and I think that Teddy uses that to to to, to take out some of his frustrations and some of the mm-hmm. things that he thinks and some of the things that he thinks are 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 injustice. Are not justified about his life. Yeah, but when it comes to um, the conversation that um, that happens between uh, Jordy and uh, Chris and his friend Chris, thank you. That w- w- when it comes down to the conversation that happens between Jordy and Chris, I really like that because that conversation really reminded me of the relationship that that uh, that 
um, that Matt Damon and uh, and Ben Affleck had in Goodwill Hunting because in Goodwill yeah. Hunting, there's this moment when uh, when Ben Affleck tells Matt Damon, you know, one day I'm going to show up to your house, I'm going to knock on your door, and you're not going to be there. And he and and Matt yeah. there's a point to this. Yeah. And Matt Damon goes, why wouldn't I be there? And he goes, well, uh, if I'm lucky, it'll it'll be because you got on a plane. And you got out of this town because you deserve better. Mm-hmm. You're smarter than all of us and you need to do better for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that, that the, the, the scene between Teddy and Chris and um, Jordy. Damn it. Chris and Jordy. Thank you. Yeah. The scene between Chris and Jordy really reminded me of that scene mm-hmm. uh, from Goodwill Hunting, which was great. And like, yep. and like you said, like you said, um, it it really isn't typical of thirteen year old boys to talk to each other like that. Yeah, yeah. And listen, oh, if, yeah. One more thing. Yeah. The the whole Mighty Mouse versus Superman thing. I'm like, guys, you're fucking stupid. You're talking about Superman fighting a mouse? What the hell? What the- yeah, but it's, it's Mighty Mouse. Like it's not a normal yeah. mouse. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to have a yeah, conversation yeah. right now about if Mighty Mouse could beat Superman? <laughs> Look, listen, for anyone listening, if there is a person in your friends group that you pick on just because you can, they're not your friend. They're a punching bag. You, they should not be in your, that's not a friendship. You know, like, because you, Marcelo, you just said there's always one person in a group. Well, no, that person, that's not your friends. Your friends don't, unless it's in jest, but everything that Teddy does to Vern is so horrible. He treats him like absolute garbage. He's the only one that treats Vern like garbage and Vern just takes it and it's actually really fucking horrible to see. So if you're that friend in that group and your friends constantly put you down and make fun of you, they are not your friends. They are not your friends. So anyway, let's move on. The boys come to a bridge uh, with like a 100-foot drop and they start to walk across but I can't remember one of one of them says like what if a train comes and they're like well we'll know if a train comes a train's not going to come <laughs> spoiler alert a train comes <laughs> so they're halfway along the bridge and then a train comes and Vern, they look Chris and Teddy gun it Vern uh, Vern just lies down on the tracks because <laughs> he's so scared he can't even move <laughs> Geordie goes back grabs him. And they literally like run to the edge and like jump off the side um, onto a little like embankment and and the tra- like uh, the way that it's shot is is beautiful because I was reading up that there was a train behind them but the way that um, Rob Reiner shot it it looked like the train was actually really close to them when the train was actually really far away so I, I found um, you know directing skills at hand <laughs> that was really really awesome scene but anyway uh, what do you think about that scene? Yeah, that scene was really amazing. And the really annoying thing is that uh, Vern was such a fucking idiot. Because while, you know, you know, while, um, while the other kids were in front, while they gunned it, Vern and Jordy were behind. They were like a little bit behind. And Vern was on his hands and knees crossing the bridge. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck up and run. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean th- that that frustrated me. That that gave me the shits because the, the second that Jordy felt the train track and saw the smoke coming, and the second he said "run," I'm like, "These motherfuckers better get up right now because if they don't get up right now, they're gonna be 
they're going to be trained. You know, they're going to be killed smushed. by the train. They're going to be smushed. And yeah, it was, it was, it, it was a really, really tense scene. And I loved the way that the director shot it, but I'm like, I was like, Vern, you're such an idiot. Why aren't you running? Some people, when they, when they get scared, they freeze. That's, that's, yeah. that's a lot of people. You can either, you can, I think, no. oh, what is it? You, you, you freeze Flight. or. Oh yeah, yeah. F- flight, a fight, flight, or freeze. Those are the three things right, that right. you do when you're in fear. So Vern is obviously freeze, where you just stop and you can't do anything. So I don't blame him for that because that's his go-to. But I understand right, it's right. annoying to watch because it's like, oh my god, get up, just get up, just get the fuck up, <laughs> just get the fuck up. <laughs> I get it. No, and I think you know, you know, I I think the way that the director shot that, I mean, it was a, it was like a trick of the camera. So for him to mm. do a shot like that, I th- I think it was great because. I was also thinking maybe maybe the train behind them was like a black was like a insert plate. Oh no! Um, no. But I was like, no, nah, that can't be an insert plate. So maybe maybe that was like a forced perspective that they directed it, which was yeah, yeah. completely what what he did. Yeah, is what he did. So now uh, it's at night and they're sitting around the campfire and the boys are asking Geordie to tell them a story because he's a writer. And he tells them the story of a pie-eating contest, which I'm not going to go into because it has no bearing on the story. If you want to talk about the the story that he comes up with, you can, but it has nothing to do with anything. I will just say one thing about I mean, it's I, gross. Yes, I liked I, I liked almost everything. Well, th- this one was really solid. But when he started telling the story and what they started showing us, that was the one part where I, I couldn't watch. I was like, it was so gross. I know. I'm not I, watching I this. I can't. I can't I'm like, no, no, I, I can't. No, I, I didn't watch it because I, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't yeah, watch it. Yeah, look, every time I see this movie, I fast forward through that because it's gross. I, I mean, it's just gross. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the movie, but I'm, I don't want to go into it. <laughs> but anyway. And then they start having a conversation, which I think is the cutest conversation I've ever heard, right? These are 13-year-old boys. This is before they like girls. This is before fucking anything, right? They start having a conversation about what the fuck Goofy is. And they're like, Pluto's a dog what's goofy <laughs> and the, it, the camera the way how rob shots it shoots it is so funny it just goes from one it's kind of like if anybody's seen that 70s show where they're stoned in the basement and it just the camera just goes from one character to the next it's kind of he shoots it similar to that and it's just they're just trying to work and it's just such a fun light-hearted scene about like what do 13 year old boys talk about they talk about what goof, what is goofy like there's not literally like nothing else to talk about so just in case anybody's wondering officially goofy is a dog because <laughs> I, I even though i knew it i googled it just to make sure but what did you think the 13 year old boys um you know in 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 the 50s would talk about st- stuff like that but i i i really think that um, boys today, 13, 14, they would not be talking about shit like this. Um, but, but, but still, but still in the context of the movie, I think it's really, really great that these boys have moments like this before their life begins to change before they go into junior high, because it is mentioned that the next thing that they're going to do is going to, uh, is, is to go into high school, I believe. So, or, yeah. or junior high. So, yeah. so, so this movie is like a last hurrah for this friend group. Mm-hmm. So, so that puts, so that puts a lot more onus into what they're doing. But again, if these were, thir- if these were 13, 14 year old kids now, 
I don't think that these kids would, would be talking about this at all. No, um, but it's such a shame. It's such a shame that they yeah. wouldn't <laughs> because yeah. it's what they should be yeah, talking I- about. So there's a really, really nice scene between Geordie and Chris uh, by the campfire. The other ones are the Vern and Teddy are, are asleep. Geordie says to Chris, you can join me in my new classes. And Chris says they won't let him because the whole town thinks he's a bad kid. And so we find we get we get this story that we find out that Chris stole the milk money from school. But what we didn't know is that he actually and he said I I actually gave the money back to a teacher. But the teacher never told anyone he gave it back and instead bought a new skirt because she knew she could. She sorry, she knew she could get away with it as everybody thinks Chris is the bad kid and would not hand the money in. And it it ended up getting Chris suspended. And I just thought that's such a sad story. And Chris starts crying. A 13, this is what I love about this movie because they're boys, but they're sensitive boys. They have, they actually have emotions. They're not dickheads. They're not toxic. And he starts crying. And he says, I want to move to somewhere, so to some place where nobody knows who I am and nobody can judge me. Because the one time he actually tried to do the right thing, he got effed over. And I just find that so sad. And it was such a beautiful moment to see him cry. We actually see all the boys have a, uh, a sentimental crying moment, except Vern. Teddy has the moment where he's being heckled by the junkyard guy, and he cries. Chris has this moment where he cries. Geordie will have his moment at the end, but we never get a moment from Vern. Vern's, I don't know, Vern's like the comic relief, but um, I, that was a really, really beautiful beautiful scene and played really beautifully by um, River Phoenix. What do you think? No, actually, that mo- that scene was very, very affecting to me and because of, uh, I, got, I got blamed for something that wasn't my fault either, and I paid for it when I was in high school. I got I got accused of doing I got accused of doing something that I had nothing to do with. I went to the principal's office and I took the fall for one of my friends. Wow! And um, I got I got suspended for two weeks. Oh for, shit! For for taking the fall for 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 protecting my friends. Wow! And good on you. And li- yeah, and um, and like the like River Phoenix's character, I I sort of for a while I had this label on me of being something that I wasn't mm. because I wanted to protect my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's really, it's really a shame when something happens to you when you're younger and the people around you label as that one thing because of one situation that you, uh, went through as a, as a young adult. Yeah. And it's, it's really a shame that people don't give you, the benefit of the, the benefit of the doubt mm. because they view you as this they view you as this bad influence mm. or something and dealing with something like that like river phoenix like river phoenix's character did and like i did mm. was was just awful yeah. and uh and for a long time i had to deal with it but eventually i got over yep. people forgot yep and life went on. Yeah. But when you're in that moment, it feels like it feels like you can go anywhere. And like River Phoenix's character said, I just want to go to a place where nobody knows who I am. So so yeah. so nobody will judge me for yeah. 
the things that they perceived I did. Yep. So the next scene is Ace finds out from one of his gang members that there's a dead body of a kid they've been looking for in the news. So they decide they're going to they're going to go find it and be famous. <laughs> That's that scene. You want to talk about it? Yes, I do, but I want to talk about that I want to talk about it for just one reason. Okay. Like what is their plan? Like like like, like everybody look, even even look, even in this movie, I mean to the very end with the gang members, with the with Ace's gang, also, everybody in this movie has forgotten logic. Like the entire, <laughs> seriously, the entire movie is based on our principal kids wanting to go see this body, and I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, okay, once you go and see the body, what are you going to do with it? Okay, and if you touch it, okay, or somebody finds you with it, that's going to implicate you. Like, what is your plan? Okay. The thing about these gang members, what makes you think that if you find the body, you bring it back to you, you bring it back to the town. What makes you think that they're going to give you an award? They're going to give you a reward for it. Did it pass nobody's brain that they might blame them for it? If you walk into if you if you walk into town with a body, don't you think that that's going to bring suspicion onto you? Um, like, what the hell? No, because. The way the okay. body, okay, well, the body was hit by a train and the coroner would be able to determine that, um, that okay. there was no foul play. So even even if the even if they did take them into, this is just going off on a tangent, even if they did take the boys yeah. into custody, they would be able to tell straight away the boys did nothing wrong. The boys would just say, you know, they're from a small town, they're 13-year-old boys. They would just say, look, we were, we were on a walk, we found the body, we brought him back here, you know, and the boy's been missing four days. So yeah. I, I don't think they would get the blame at all Just, yeah, yeah yeah no but yeah but no another fucking stupid thing about ace's stupid fucking gang mm. when they're when they're like sitting while listening to music they're cutting each other's arms with a fucking rate i'm like how fucking stupid yeah Ugh. but it's 1959 they have nothing to do that's how they tattoo each am, other they have nothing to do yeah i i get it but it's still fucking stupid all right. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm done. It's so all fucking right, stupid. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. Stupid. I, I get it. I agree. I agree. The thing that I. The okay. Thing, the thing about Ace. The th- the thing. The reason why Ace doesn't work. We don't know anything about him. Every bad no, guy has no. to have a backstory where you kind of feel for them and you know with their motivation. Ace has no motivation other than just to no, be but a also, dick. But 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 also also check this out. Mm. Instead of instead of doing like the flashbacks with uh with Jordy that don't lead anywhere. Mm. What if, what, how, how cool would it have been if you would have done flashbacks with all the kids, right? With, with, with our central, mm. with our central group of, with, with our, with our main cast. Mm. And you did some flashbacks with the gang too. Yeah. And you use, and you use that to make the audience both, both care about our kids and yeah. the gang. Yeah, and then and then and then you can have them all come together at the end for the grand finale. How cool would that have been? That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. But that's not what we got. <laughs> we got this. I know, I know, I know. So anyway, this is the scene that always sticks <sighs> into my in my mind since I was a kid. The boys decide to cut through the forest because it's the quickest way to the tracks that they need to get to. And they come upon, they come, I, I know exactly what you're going to say. Why would you do that? Why would you get into the, po- I know, I get it. They're 13, right? Just, I know what you're going to fucking say. Well, that's so fucking stupid. I just go around. So they come aqua- across a pond. Yeah, you're laughing because you know, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. They come no, across no, a, no, that's a, a pond, No, that's right? not what I'm going to say. 
and they decide um they they test it they're like oh no it doesn't it doesn't look so deep but then it's deep and they all fall in and then they're all they start playing and they're you know the water's brown like it's fucking gross but they're 13 when you're 13 you don't care so they're splashing they're like yeah because it's like so hot and it's just like it's it's really nice and then they get out of the water and one of them looks at the other one and says oh i think it was so, uh, someone looks at Vern. it's like you have something on your neck and there's this big fat black leech on him and then they all get undressed and they've all got leeches all over them and from someone that has experience having leeches on them from having like swum in a river it's terrifying <laughs> to look down and seeing this big black thing attached to your body and you're just like what the fuck <laughs> it is literally it literally gave me flashbacks of it's the most especially when you don't know what it is you don't know if it's killing you you don't know if it's harmless it's just this big black thing that's that's just on you and you just can't get it off so um it's t- i understand how terrifying it is i i didn't even have that i had like two or three on me i didn't even have as many as the boys have on them but it is absolutely terrifying so what did you think tell me tell me i uh i'm not gonna say the thing that you think i'm gonna say first of all i did not shock me shock me <laughs> i I can't do it. I, 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 I seriously, I, I did not think. I, I did not think. I did not think. What the fuck are you doing? Why don't you just go around? What I thought was, what I thought was, when they got in the water, I was like, guys, that water is fucking filthy. What are you doing? It is the same. (laughs) It is the same. I knew. I knew. I knew. Either walk around, or oh my god, that water's disgusting. What are you doing? I knew it. Fucking, that's a point for me. That is a point. For but, me, anyway. but I agree with you. In this instance, every other time you've brought shit up, I'm like, no, I disagree. In this instance, I do agree. It's fucking gross. But when they got out and they discovered the leeches on them, I had a flashback. <laughs> like like <me>? you. <laughs> no, like you. I've had I've had leeches on me before. And oh my god. Scary. Um they're really scary. They're disgusting. Mm. I've had leeches and ticks on me. Oh, ticks. I've um, had that one. Um but but the but f- funnily enough, when I had the leech on me, my dad uh, first wanted to take a fucking uh, switchblade and just <laughs> chop oh, yeah. it off me. And my 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 grandmother stopped him, and she was like, "No, no let's do this." And my grandmother took a lighter mm. and kind of like put it up to the leech, and the leech popped off. Um, the tick was a little bit more scary because I because they had to like pull that off me. Mm. And then I went to the emergency room to get all these shots, and luckily I didn't get infected by the tick. But um, oh my god, so, I didn't have so any was... shots. Fuck, are you supposed to get a shot? Yeah, you do. You are. <laughs> well, I survived because because ticks have like oh ticks. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking uh, leeches. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ticks. Ticks are different. Yeah. So so ticks have like salmonella. So once they got the tick off me, I had to go to the emergency room, which was not fun. Um, but anyway, don't you love emergency rooms? Seems, yeah, yeah, no, I've, yeah. I, <laughs> Is that I, your favorite I, place? I, I, no, yeah, no. I've been to emergency rooms a couple of times in yeah. my life, and uh. all, all the times have not been nice. No, no. Um, I know, but I know, but this scene was very affecting to me because seeing the boys with leeches and them freaking the fuck out is what I was doing uh, when me I too. when I experienced that. But the but the most like 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 disastrous scene was when Jordy realized that he had a leech in his junk and he had to open up his junk. Yeah, and, he, and he, you know, he opened up his junk 
And then he goes in there, he pulls it out, and then it's like a leech, but it's, he's got blood on his hand. I'm like, what the hell did that did did, did that leech like like attach himself to your junk? I'm like, oh my god, that's terrifying. I but, just want to know how know, it got in his underwear. You know, you know, it probably. It, it it probably swam up his pants. Yeah, but in in his under isn't it? Is an underwear supposed to be like tight? Like, and those were big leech. Anyway, that's just that's not that's neither no, here no, nor there. It's not, it's not. Yeah, but they're like, but, but that could happen. It could happen. Yes, um, it could happen. Yeah, but anyway, but anyway, when he passes out, yeah, and the boys think he's and the boys thinks he he's dead, and like they start shaking him. I I I, I thought it was really great. Yeah, because when you're thirteen, you don't know something. You don't know. You're like fuck. If if someone falls down when they're just like awake, you think they're dead. <laughs> There's the, passing yeah. out doesn't even come into your mind. They're fucking dead. Yeah. So the next scene, the, the boys are walking along the tracks, and they find they come across the dead body. They find the dead body, and they're kind of staring at it. They move the branch out of the way, and it's a kid their age, so it really strikes them. And Geordie stares at it, and then he's and, and then he breaks down. This is like kind of Geordie's moment, and he's asking, "Why did his brother have to die?" Why not him? Because my dad hates me and he says I'm no good. And then Chris sits next to him and he says, and he says, um, he goes, no, your dad doesn't hate you. He goes, he does, he does, he hates me, he hates me, I'm no good. And it's a really, look, it's a really nice moment for for Geordie. I didn't connect with it because I don't, I didn't really care about the brother storyline. I didn't connect with all the brother storyline at all. All this shit, all this emotional weight that they gave Geordie with all these flashbacks is all, mm. all of it doesn't work. Mm. You know why? You know why all of it doesn't work? Well, all of it is just wasted character crap. Yeah. That isn't paid off. And the reason why it's all wasted is because Jordy, Jordy has no interact. Jordy has a, a couple interactions with his father before they go on the quest to find the body. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. All, all this emotional stuff should happen with his father. Yeah. Like, do you realize what an what a, what an emotional punch would have been for all the shit to happen to Jordy after they found the body, and if it happened with his father and his mother, all that stuff would have worked yeah. so much better if it would have happened that way. But all this, all the flashbacks are wasted. Yeah, and Jordy's emotional moments were wasted. Yeah, because like it feels like it just happened. Yeah, for no for for no reason at all. Yeah, and I'm I like, agree. Oh. So then Ace shows up and says they can leave and he'll take the body or he'll beat the shit out of them and he'll take the body. Ace is just a Ace is the perfect example of a mustache swirling villain. There's no there's no essence, there's no backstory, there's no nothing. He's just a dick just to be it's he's just in there just to cause friction, like there's nothing else. So Ace lunges towards Chris with a knife when a gunshot goes off. Geordie, and then it pans over to Geordie. Geordie, Geordie is holding the gun that we've thus far forgotten about from the beginning. And he's pointing it at Ace and he's telling him basically to fuck off or die. And he's serious. He's not in a good mood. And Ace backs off, but he's pissed off. He's like, Yeah, you know what? You're going to hear about this. You know, I'm going to come back and get you. But again, the story, it's like, I, that's what I want to know. Did Ace get them? Did Ace go back? Did Ace get them in school? Did, 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 do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I'm going to get you for this. Did he ever get them? There's so many loose ends of this. What happened to Ace? That's what I wanted to know. We At the end of the movie, we know what happens to every single character but Ace. I want to know what happens to Ace. <laughs> okay? Did he die? Is he in jail? Is he in fucking rehab? Did, like. Nobody knows because he's not a good enough villain for them to actually give 
a fucking backstory to. So anyway, he backs off. You know what he is? He's what? You know what he is? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Ace is right. I'll tell you what Ace is right now. Yeah. Ace, Ace is a giant MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a, He's a he's a and and for the and for those of you who are listening who don't know what a MacGuffin is, in writers vernacular, a MacGuffin is this thing that you use to push your story forward. Yeah, mm. and Ace is that same exact thing. If I was writing this movie, you know what I would have done? Mm. I I would have had I would have had Georgie shoot Ace. Oh yeah, and then and no seriously, I would have Georgie shoot Ace. I mean shoot him dead. Oh shit! And have the, and have the boys, have to get, like like get rid of the fucking body somehow, yeah. and 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 that's how that's how they sort of, that's what that's how that's how they sort of get their revenge, for the gang sort of beating up them sort of, fucking them up at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when the gang took their uh, uh, Jordy's hat from his brother, the one that his brother gave him. Yeah. Cause, cause that's never revisited. No, all. that's why I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I would have, I would have, I would have taken two birds with one stone. Mm. I would say, Georgie shoots him because he's pissed, mm. but Georgie shoots him because he stole his brother's hat mm-hmm. or the hat that his brother gave him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also, also, that act of Georgie shooting Ace would have been like his mom would have been his mama goes. Would have been his mama goes. I'm not going to take it anymore, and I fucking had it with this you know, shit. You know what would have been really great? You know how um, Jordy's brother died in a car accident. What if Ace was driving the other car that caused his brother's death? How good would that there be? There you go. How good would that there be? There you go. Oh my god, I've just written "Stand by Me" too. <laughs> yeah, that would have been there good because go. that would give Jordy motivation to kill him and to really fucking hate Ace. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know, also. Also, that would have given Kiefer Sutherland something to do. Yeah, this movie. This movie was a really, really good watch, but I really think that there's story issues with it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, there's some. I would, I would have, I would have, like, when I was watching this movie, I was like, in my head, mm. as we do as writers, I was like rewriting this movie to high heaven. I was like, mm. what if we did this? And I was like. The movie that I wrote when I was watching this movie would have worked a hundred times better, but, but, but I get it. If you watch this movie as a kid, you don't think about shit like this, but yeah, despite that, despite all the issues with this movie from a writer's perspective, I still enjoyed this movie. I wouldn't change anything. I would change. I would tweak a few things about the movie, this movie, but I wouldn't change it. I would tweak the ACE thing. I would make, you know what I mean? I would give the story more, the, the characters a bit more, um, backstory, but I wouldn't change anything. I would just—that's a lot, though. I would just—I would just add—I would just add stuff in, but I wouldn't necessarily take stuff out. Right. Okay. okay. But then, but so now we hear Richard Dreyfus, and he does a voiceover. He says Ray's body, which is the 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 body that they found, was found, but nobody got the credit because they called in anonymously. So all that, and they they when they, the thing is when they saw the body, they realized, you know, we don't want fame. This is this is a real. Because before they're like, yeah, let's go see a dead body. But it's like in Girl Interrupted. Once you see it, once you're presented with death, it's like you know that there's no prize. You don't want to win a prize for it. You just you just kind of – it snaps you into doing the right thing, basically. And that's exactly what they did. So they made their way back to town. 
and they part ways. And it's kind of sad because, again, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, does the voiceover and he says as time went on we saw less and less of Teddy and Vern. Vern got married out of high school, had four kids and is now a forklift operator. Teddy tried to get into the army but was denied on account of his sight, spent time in jail and now does odd jobs around the town. Chris went to college and became a lawyer. Last week he entered a fast food restaurant. Two men with knives um, were fighting he tried to break it up and was stabbed in the throat and died, which is it's really sad because as as I'm as you're listening to the voiceover, your Rob Reiner does this shot of Chris as thirteen year old thirteen years old, like walking away from Geordie and he like slowly, slowly disappears. And it's just like it tugs at your heartstrings. <laughs> like that that got me more than Geordie breaking down about his fucking brother. Yeah, no, no, the 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 wrap up to this movie when you find out what happens to these kids is really, really shocking and the thing that really pissed me off was that final moment when you find out uh what happens to um to what's his name again i'm sorry chris chris yes what happens to chris because um that in a roundabout way happened to me (laughs) yeah i i had this i had this friend who i was like he's one of my best friends in college Mm. and uh, we were talking one day, you know, as normal, and then a couple of days later, I found out he, that he died. Um, yeah. And his mother told me that he died and that he had he he was sick, and yeah. I had no idea. And it just it just killed me. And I was for the for the rest of the semester, I was like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Um. So yeah. it's just really hard. It's a horrible thing when you grow up with somebody when you have them as a friend as an, an adult and then yeah. something totally unexpected happens and it, yeah. this movie ended this movie really ended on a sour note i felt i'm like yeah after all this shit you're gonna do i'm like oh uh so we're back to present day with richard dreyfus and he's typing on his computer and he's he's having a his his um you can hear his voiceover and his kids come in one of his kids comes in with his friends and they're going are we going like you've been sitting at the computer for like ever and he's like geordie's like yeah 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 one more minute one more minute and he writes something that really got to me he writes i never had friends later on like the ones i had when i was 12 jesus does anyone and that got me because i started thinking about my friends when i was 12 and anybody that's listening to this on youtube Think about your friends when you were 12 and drop us a comment. Were they the best friends you've ever had? Because for me, the answer is yes. Because there was no looking at girls or looking at boys. There was no heartbreak. The traumas that our parents had done to us as small children had not come to the surface yet. You know, we were just, we were, it was peaceful. It was like, let's go on our bikes. Let's go for a walk. Let's do this. Let's, it was just, you talk about, you would talk about Goofy. You talk about cartoons. You talk about whatever it is and you just have fun. You do sleepovers at other people's houses. You'd laugh. You'd have fun. You'd have your birthday parties. Like you didn't have bills. You didn't have arguments. You just kind of, let's do this today. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Like, and it was just fun. It was free. And, you know, if I, the thing is, if I was friends now with the friends that I was with, friends with when I was 12, it would be different because life fucks you up. This is when you're 12, it's before life fucks you up. <laughs> I think that's why it's so good. But for me, 
when I was 12, yeah, they were the best friends that I ever had because it was just fun and peaceful. And if you agree or disagree, drop us a comment if you're on YouTube. Uh, And that's the end of the movie. And I thought that 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 was quite solemn. So what did you think? No, um, I, you know, I really agree with you that when you're 12, uh, when you're, when you're in middle school and when you're in high school, you have this sort of view about the world. That's not really what the world is. High school and middle school and high school were some of the best, some of the best times of my life because I had friends and I really didn't worry about anything. I didn't pay any bills. Mm. I didn't worry about where my next fucking cell phone payment mm. was coming from. I didn't even have. I didn't even have a phone. Oh yeah, no. Um, I, I all, all I did was talk about Buffy and Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. And you know, I, 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 I can remember going to the cafeteria and talking to my best friend at the time. We would. We would during lunch. We would every every Tuesday during lunch. We would talk about uh, the Buffy episode to come mm. that night because uh, back in the day, at least in the first run, Buffy used to pop up every Tuesday, and and you know the next day we would talk about the episode and how that made us feel and what's going to happen next week with Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that time in one's life is very very innocent and it's very very calming. And it sort of it sort of gives you a false sense of security because when you grow up, that's when you're like, oh shit, the world fucking sucks. Fucking sucks. <laughs> fucking um, sucks. And you know, and look, uh, I'm I'm lucky enough that I still have some of my friends that I had back then, but some of them I don't have. Hmm. Um, but the ones that I do that were back that were around back then, we said to ourselves all the time. What the fuck happened to the nineties and what happened to the early two thousands? That's what that's what we say to each other all the time. Yeah. Because everything, everything right now in the world for us, especially if you're listening to this and you're around our ages, everything right now in the world is upside down. And and back then everything seemed like it was right side up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I thought let's look. I thought the end of this movie was great, and I liked the, I liked the fact that Richard Dreyfuss wrote that last thing, and then he went outside and he played with his kid. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's really nice. That that's really nice." He didn't stay inside and keep writing. He actually made time for his kids, and he actually wanted to spend time with them. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's it. Shall I move on to my trivia? Yeah, move on. All right. So River, Corey, Will, and Jerry actually got into a lot of trouble. At the hotel they were staying at when they were filming Stand By Me, uh, they threw all the poolside furniture into the pool and River ended up covering Kiefer Sutherland's car in mud but didn't realise it was Kiefer's car until Kiefer looked at him and he was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) So, I mean, they're 13-year-old boys. Obviously, they're going to do that shit. But, like, how fun. That's what I mean when you're 13, 12. You just have fun. You just do shit. Yeah, when yeah, no, no, no. When you're thirteen and when when you're thirteen and twelve, you do fucking stupid shit. And, and, and you know, and when you get older, you're like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" But it, but you know, but it was fun. But it, I mean, yeah, stupid yeah, shit, yeah, yes, but fun. Listen, but it's 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 part of the course when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, true. Two dollars and thirty seven cents. That was what they had, and that was what they bought all that food with. So I just did a calculation. In today's money, $2.37 would be $22.53. 
So that was how he was able to afford all that food. Oh, shit. But fuck, that's... I wish it was like that now. Anyway. Okay, so (laughs) throughout the movie, the boys are all smoking cigarettes. The cigarettes the boys smoked was at, were actually made from lettuce leaves, which I thought was interesting. That's very cool. Very, very Cause, cool. Because you do have, well, today you do have um, fake cigarettes for, for actors who have to do Yeah, constant they have takes. herbal cigarettes, yeah. Yeah, herbal cigarettes. But but that's, a re- that's, that's really cool that the uh, prop department did that for those kids. All right, the last piece of trivia I thought was the best, which I saved it for last. Okay, so everybody knows Jerry O'Connell is married to Rebecca Romaine. Woo! Now, Sorry. Now, Rebecca Romaine's favorite movie of all time is Stand By Me. And oh as a child, she had posters of it all over her bedroom wall. So she had posters of her future husband when she was a child on her wall. How cool is that? wow that is a that is a really cool piece of trivia yeah that's that's amazing and it's funny because when they started dating she didn't tell him right she she was not going to tell him because she thought it would just weed him out and it was only when they went out with her friends and they got drunk and her friends actually tattled on her and told him the story (laughs) and And he was like what like no he thought it was really cool he okay. did not have an issue with it at all. Okay. But, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, wow. that's the end of my trivia. And wow, so cool. I hope that everybody has enjoyed our review of Stand By Me. If you haven't already, if you like what we're saying, please subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you're on our podcast. Give us a thumbs up because we love our listeners. Drop us a comment if you want to say anything, good or bad. If you would like to email us, you can email us at mixtapepod at aol.com. You can email us if you want us to do a review of a movie, if you want questions, comments, anything like that. Next week, uh, we're doing more Stephen King. We're doing John Carpenter's Christine, a classic. All right. So in ending this podcast, if someone is kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must mean that they really love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.